On episode 229 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to choose the right tennis shoes for your game with special guest, Zach Thomas. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And today we have a really fun and interesting interview with Zach Thomas on tennis shoes. And Zach is a podiatrist, and he's known as Foot Dr. Zach. And he says on his Twitter profile that he cuts open tennis shoes for fun, which I highly encourage you to check out on his YouTube channel, um, where he has over 20,000 subscribers on his tennis shoe review YouTube channel. And on that uh, forum, on that channel, he does reviews and teardowns of the most advanced tennis, basketball, running, and training shoes for athletes. Uh, It's mainly been tennis shoes from what I've seen. And I've just really been um, enthralled in a sense by the way that he does his reviews. It's very unique from all other tennis shoe review uh, channels out there in that he actually, in in addition to very extensive tests, he cuts open the shoe and shows you what it's made of and the different parts of the shoe. So I think that's really cool, really unique, and I love it. And that is why I asked Zach to come on to the podcast and really excited that he has come on for you to uh, learn from the intricacies of tennis shoes and the best shoes out there for your particular use case. And I actually went through a rapid fire session where I uh, asked him the best couple shoes for different uh, conditions and types of feet and so forth. And we'll talk about how you should approach buying shoes and much, much more. So uh, really excited for you again to check this one out. So without further ado, here's my interview with Zach Thomas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have on Zach Thomas to the podcast. I've really been binge watching your reviews, Zach, and really enjoy them. And you really offer a unique perspective as well as a unique uh, way of doing things in terms of reviewing shoes. So uh, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, of course. It's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely, Zach. So first off, I was digging through your profiles and I saw that you cut open tennis shoes for fun. So uh, can you t- let us know uh, what that means? Because the average human doesn't normally do that. So <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's not like really a, a common hobby. So yeah, so I am a foot doctor. And I, I noticed in the sneaker space, most people get really excited about the aesthetics of shoes and different colorways and, and the different uh, like limited releases. Uh, my main interest is what's on the inside of a shoe, what's in the midsole of a shoe, the durability, what foot types it fits best, uh, what athletes it fits best. And to do that, you kind of have to cut the shoe open. And I, I, I've gotten a lot of comments loving it and a lot of comments hating it. Uh, a lot of people want to tell me how to spend my money. 
Um, you know, that it's, it's but uh, it, it is fun. I mean, it, it is great seeing inside of a shoe. I think a lot of companies don't expect people to actually look inside of it. And there have been a few times where, you know, I don't want to say you, you catch a company doing something, but maybe a company cutting corners with things, or sometimes you open up a shoe and, and you realize kind of what like someone is like a next level genius at this company coming up with some really interesting designs that are in that no one even knows, you know, that, that no one has even seen and, and that they don't advertise because it's not like sexy to talk about. And uh, I kind of want to bring, you know, it, it's fun to kind of bring more of the science and engineering of the shoes uh, to, you know, to people, to tennis players, basketball players, uh, just court sport players in general. Um, cause I mean, I feel like in the running shoe space, a lot of people talk about more technology in shoes, whereas in the court sneaker space, a lot of times you're not getting as much of that. So yeah, it's fun. And that's why it is. It is fun to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And that's what makes your channel unique, Zach. So, uh, really enjoy that. And, you know, I, I couldn't let this one go. You said, um, you know, sometimes certain shoe manufacturers will cut corners. So, as much as you're comfortable, can you let us know of, you know, an instance or two or generalities or whatever in terms of like, how do they actually cut corners if you've seen that? Yeah. So obviously I'm not, I won't, I won't say anything. Um, I mean, you can watch the, I mean, if you watch the videos, you'll see, you know, it's, it's plain as day to see. Uh, but some companies will uh, say they're using a certain type of foam in the shoe and it'll be this like, you know, one nanometer of the shoe is made of that material and everything else is just a standard EVA foam. There are, there, and there is a genius to this, is some shoes will look like they have a ton of cushioning and a ton of padding and all this, you know, accoutrements and everything on the shoe when you cut it open, it really is some like sleight of hand or like trickery. It's crazy once you open the shoe, it's not there, but when you look at it from the outside, this shoe looks like it's made like an armored tank. And then when you look on the inside of it, it's a lot of it's window dressing. And, um, you know, so I, like, I, I always say this, there is no bad, there's, there's, yeah, there's a couple of bad shoes out there, but there's no universally bad shoe. There is a bad shoe for your foot and there's a great shoe for your foot. There's no, everyone always says like, is there one best shoe out there? No, it, it's what's best for you. Um, so like I said, some companies will try to make their shoe look like it's made for a, a whole slew of players. And then you open it up and you think this has a much more niche uh, fit for people. So. Gotcha. Very interesting, Zach. Appreciate that. And, you know, when you mentioned uh, like how people like, tell you how to spend your money and all that, which, which is not uh, good, obviously. Um, what do you, I mean, do you buy all of the shoes? Okay, yeah. I guess this is like a multi-tier question. Okay. So you buy them. And then mm -hmm. do you normally, which is a lot of money because you do a lot of reviews. So thank you. And then yeah. do you cut them open like in the beginning or do you cut them open like at the end or how does that work? No one's ever asked me this. That's a great question. So if you watch a tennis review of mine, it goes in reverse. I will give you an example. I was lucky enough to get the on Roger pro and I wanted that video out the like two days from them. Like I wanted that video out before anybody else could get it out before on could make anything. I wanted to, you know, I was so pumped about that shoe. I wanted to have that video out in 10 minutes. After I got. So I get the shoe and, uh, I got it. I called. So in my videos, I'm either playing with my dad or one of my teaching pro buddies. So I called my dad. Who's like the only one who will just at the snap of a finger, just go out and play with me. 
So I called my dad at about two o'clock in the afternoon. I said, I got Roger's shoe. Meet me at the courts. Okay. Go to the courts. Before I played, I did my suicide test, which is where I run in them and cut, you know, and get that time. And then I get my ridiculous uh, measuring tape device thing, which is just a piece of wood with marker markings on it. Did those two tests, edited that on the fly on the tennis courts on my iPad, edited that part so I could see what the, what the time was and what it is so I could have something to talk about while I'm playing. So then I set my camera up behind me, playing them for two hours. While I'm playing in between points, I'll just, if I think of something with the shoe, I'll go back there and, and think of it. While I'm playing, I'm coming up with like the narrative of the shoe in my head, like how I'm liking it and everything. And I just start basically talking in between points. Now, my father is on the other side of the court waiting to play another point while I am just talking to myself into the camera. I mean, if, if you watch these, if you would watch me make these videos, it, it looks like I'm a psychopath. <laughs> and um, so I play in them, get the whole play test done that it, it, it all gets shot on, on site. Then I come back to the house and I did this all in one day. I come back to the house, durability test them with my Dremel on the uppers and the outsole. And then I cut them open and then I do my teardown review. So I do the teardown, that video act, the teardown comes out first. So I, I did it because now I've played in them. I know everything about the shoe now. So I do the teardown, then I wait three days and then I release the play test. So it, they get, play tested first and then they get torn down and then the teardown comes out first. Wow. But you, I mean, you did that after, you know, the same day, basically you, you, then you just cut it open. That's amazing. On the Roger pros. I did it on the, Roger, the same yeah. day. Yeah. Most shoes I'll play in them a couple times, then cut them open and then do the teardown. And then the play test will be after. And then you glue them back together and play with them. Right. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that'd be cool i mean that'd be a fun video to try actually I mean, that, that's a good idea i don't know I, I, disclaimer i don't want you to <laughs> you hurt yourself which you probably would if you did that um and, and just curious you know i have a lot of questions about like choosing shoes and helping uh, the audience on that but it's just so interesting for me uh, so so no brands like have reached out to like help you out with this oh yeah um oh, okay so i've i've had every I've had every single shoe manufacturer brand reach out to me besides Babolat, K-Swiss, and Wilson. Those are the only ones that have never reached out. It will, so brands will reach out with, shoe brands will reach out with one of a couple of things. They'll want me to just take the shoe, make, you know, here, here's the shoe before it's released, have at it, um, do whatever you want with it. And those are typically the, the deals I'll take. I, you know, because I, I give them a thing that says, you know, I'm, you can't, I, you know, if you give me the shoe, I'm going to say what I think. And some of them just won't send me the shoe anymore. And uh, others will send it like Lotto has sent me um, New Balance, Head, Diodora. They've all just sent them and said, yeah, go for it. You know, we don't, we don't care what you say. And I don't get any feedback from them. I've never gotten any hate. Uh, some companies will want me to do, four sponsored videos for the shoe that are just like hype beast videos. Like it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. An Instagram post and this and that, all this garbage. And, uh, and, and they want to have editorial control. And that, I just don't even open those. And then other companies will reach out to me and just yell at me because I said something about their shoe that they don't like. And that's it. So 
Though those that that's the range that that I get. I I, I typically I, I will never take a sponsorship deal. Like I'll never get paid to review a shoe by a shoe company. I think that's pretty wrong. Um, I've kind of made my channel into a completely neutral playing ground. Like I don't care what you buy as, as long as you get a shoe that's right for you. I care that you get a shoe that is, you know, best for your foot. I really don't care what you buy. So, but yeah, brand brands do reach out. Um, but I'll only take shoes from the ones that don't care if I say something, you know, untoward about their shoe. Yeah, big respect on that. Really appreciate the impartiality. Um, and that's a whole other conversation as well. I was speaking to uh, my previous guest, Mark Sanset, about, you know, just how much can we really trust? And, you know, I love these, a lot of these companies, but, you know, where you buy um, products from, but like how much can you, you know, because it seems like they're never really saying like, don't buy this shoe, don't buy this racket, you know, because they're selling them. Not um, part of the business. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. not that's not in their best interest, you know? I mean, I, I mean, that that's... Here's the thing though, when, when, when you, you can kind of tell, you know, when something is an advertisement versus a, <clears throat> excuse me, a performance review. So, you know, a lot of times it comes, you know, that there is some responsibility of the viewer, you know, as well. So. Yeah. hundred percent. So uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff to get to here. So just quickly, oh, I'm not rushing you, but you know, I'm curious to hear about how you ended up becoming an expert uh, in tennis shoes. So I played tennis and call. So I was, you know, I got bit by the tennis bug. I think I was 14, 13, 14. And I was pretty late to the game. And I played in high school. My, my dad was, is a, is a phenomenal player. Uh, he was all self-taught and he tried to get me to play tennis from when I was in the crib up until about maybe 12 years old. And I didn't want to play. He finally gave up. And at 15, um, I had two pretty bad concussions playing football. And uh, my mom just said, you're not, you're done. And I said, well, I got to do something like, you know, I was, you know, really heavily into athletics and I, you know, I didn't want to sit around. So I said, what can I do? And I finally looked to my dad. I said, can you teach me how to play tennis? And he just rolled his eyes and he starts yelling at me. He's like, hi, 12 years. Later. And I said, just take me out and learn how to play. And from then on, that was it. I was just obsessed with tennis after that. And I started playing in college. Uh, I played for Slippery Rock, as you can see on my shirt. Yes. Uh, greatest college tennis team in history. And, uh, after that, um, I, it was either, this was funny. I was either going to be a tennis instructor or I was going to go to medical school. Those were like the two things I wanted to do. So I ended up becoming a foot doctor and I really wanted to work with tennis players and basketball players. And I wanted to do more sports medicine. And my, my job ended up more being doing geriatric foot care and uh, diabetic foot care and, you know, reconstructive surgery and, and things are a little more, I don't know, not fun. Uh, and I really wanted to get back into why I did this in the first place. And uh, the lockdown was kind of my time to do that. And someone was arguing with me over if a shoe had this or that in it and just wasn't letting it go as a patient. And I finally said, all right, I'm going to bring this shoe. And I'm going to cut it open and show you. So I decided I'll put it up on YouTube to see if someone likes it. And that video did really well. That was the Adidas Stycon. And uh, I, I said, this might be something. And that's how it started. And I just kept, you know, building from there. And all of a sudden I'm at 20,000 after a year. And, you know, I, I, I still can't believe it. And two, I've had over 2 million views and like 2.6 million views on shoe. You know, it, it seems crazy to me, uh, but that's how it went. 
Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. Great job on that growth. And uh, it's really tough to get 20,000 subscribers in a year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's, again, because of the uniqueness of uh, your style of review um, that that garners a lot of views. Um, so uh, in terms of, um, of, of choosing tennis shoes, um, yeah. I just want to highlight for people because there's a lot of people out there that are just like, oh, I'm just you know going to buy like a cheap shoe, whatever's on sale type of thing. So why is it important to get a proper shoe um, for, for your feet so that you can perform? Like what, what are the, the benefits and keys for that? So 10 years ago, there were none. Now, nowadays, companies are really skimping on budget model shoes. There's always something in a budget tennis shoe that's not completely there. The midsole is either rock hard, uh, the uppers are, you know, really flimsy or loose. You can, you can get away with it. Put it that way. If, if you're if you're more recreational in like the two five to three zero level, you can get away with it. But if you're a weekend warrior, you, you're you're not used to your body's not used to those demands, and, and you haven't built up the bone mineral density, you haven't built up the the muscle strength. Some of those shoes can really hurt you. They can start giving you plantar fasciitis or heel pain, Achilles tendonitis, different things like that. That's not saying that you need a hundred and sixty dollar pair of shoes to play. You don't. If it's me, I would much rather get last year's colorway of the more expensive shoe versus a brand new budget offering. So like if you look on any one of the uh, tennis retailers right now, you can find an old colorway of the Nike GP Turbo. You can find an old colorway or even on eBay of the Adidas Soul Court Boost. And they'll cost you the same amount of money as, as, a, as a more like, you know, really budget shoe. You can get them for under a hundred bucks. It's the same shoe, which is just last year's color. So I, I am... I am more of a believer that you spend the money once and the shoe will last you a lot longer and, and you'll, your feet will thank you as well. So your back and hips. Um, but like I said, that's not saying that you can't use budget shoes. Typically I say, if you're going to use budget shoe, you probably should put an orthotic in there or just something to help the bottom of your foot out. That being said, you know, there are exceptions to that rule. Like K-Swiss, a lot of times they, they put their shoe on deep discount. K-Swiss are great. Like they are kind of the exception that, that proves the rule. Um, there, you know, there, there's things I don't like about some of their shoes, but in terms of a budget shoe, they're probably the best out there. New Balance with the 996 is, is, a, is a more budget, you know, shoe than some others. Same with the 696. It's really, that's like the $60 version. That's probably one of the better ones out there. You're going to sacrifice a little bit of upper stability in those shoes. But like I said, there are gems out there for under a hundred. Like, yeah, that's usually what I, I consider a budget shoe is under a hundred bucks. But if I'm looking for a budget shoe, that means I'm on eBay looking for last year's colorway of the shoe. Someone trying to get rid of it. Someone's always trying to get rid of an old colorway. So got it, Zach. So I know bright line numbers aren't always like great or useful, but you know, in this case, like, would you say that, like, if we're under a hundred, besides those exceptions that you mentioned, like K-Swiss, like, then we're in budget territory these days. I'm wondering if there's a number where it's like you shouldn't go below this, like, generally. I don't know because I mean, if you're, I don't know. I mean, if you're a 14 year old kid and nothing, I mean, I mean, when you're 14, nothing hurts. It's kind of hard to hurt yourself besides falling over and breaking an ankle. 
doesn't, doesn't really matter. You know, if you're, especially if you're playing on clay, like really good clay, it's hard to hurt your foot on really good clay. It's super soft. It's hard to sprain because you'll, you'll end up, you'll end up sliding before you'll tip over. So no, not really. Um, to, like I said, to me personally, I, I'm 35 and overweight. So I need a shoe with something underneath of it, uh, or I'm going to start to get heel pain. So it depends on the person. If you're somebody that's super lightweight, don't put a lot of stress on your joints, get whatever you want. If you're someone that needs some help, then you better look for something with a premium midsole foam and something that's an upper that that's going to hold your foot in. Gotcha. Appreciate that, Zach. So what are the, some of the biggest mistakes that, uh, that players make when they are trying to buy tennis shoes? Not knowing the width of their foot. Mm. So some people think that they're, I don't know, well, let's say you keep buying shoes because you think you're an 11. You're a, you're a 10 double E, you know, so you're flopping around in these shoes that are making you slow, right? Or you're someone that's buying shoes because you like the way they look and they're super narrow. They come to a point like a triangle. Um, I know a lot of people that try to fit into like the Nike GP turbo that have a quad E foot. You're never going to fit into it. I don't care if you go up three sizes, you're just not going to fit. It's just a narrow shoe. That doesn't mean it's a bad shoe. It's one of my favorite shoes, but people say I'm a four E what shoe should I get? I say, well, new balance is the only one right now that makes a quad E. Well, I don't want a new balance. Well, okay. I don't know what to tell you. You know, so it that that's I would say not knowing your not knowing the shape of your foot, not knowing the width of your foot. Got it, Zach. So, uh, you know, if I'm a buyer, which I am obviously, and you know, I'm going out to buy some shoes or I'm doing research, what are the most important characteristics? I mean, besides width that you mentioned to to think about um, when when I'm in this process. Are you buying a shoe for injury prevention? Or are you buying a shoe for performance? That's a big difference. So if you are, let's say like you're me, <laughs> excuse me, let's say you're me. I, I've had a history of lower back problems since I was in high school. I mean, like I, I just always, you know, I just, that's like my weak point. I'm always going to buy a shoe now with either boost foam, double stack zoom air, and pretty much anything Diodora makes that's more of their mat, like their blue shield line, because they don't hurt me. You know, uh, typically New Balance doesn't hurt me either. So I'm always going to buy that versus when I was in college and, you know, I was lean and mean and I was super fast and, and I, I didn't have a lot of those, you know, those issues weren't haunting me as much as they do now. Then I was probably looking something like the Vapor Pro or, you know, maybe something like the 996 or like the Lotto Mirage, you know, something a little bit more streamlined and a little more fast because I, I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't care back then. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I give my dad shoes, I never give him anything without like two layers of foam in it or with something with boost or um, you know, something in the maximalist a six line, you know, I, I, cause he's got a knee replacement on one side and a bad shoulder. So his needs are a lot different than like my other buddy who I play with, uh, Mike, who was my old boss, who's 40 years old, has never had an issue in his life. He just needs something. He just wants, he just wants to be able to get to, he's, he needs more speed. So I'm going to push him towards something that's more speed focused, more performance based. So that, that, that's kind of thing. What do you want the shoe for? You know? 
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Got it. And so, so that's a really important distinction. Appreciate that. Like, so say if we're looking for these um, shoes for injury prevention, I know you mentioned like the cushioning. Um, what other characteristics are usually prevalent in, in the, those types of injury prevention shoes that we should be looking for? So it depends on which side you're talking about. So there are people that have really bad problems with overpronation or flat foot. That's about half the people that are having problems, right? There, it's on the inside of their foot. So you want something with a really stout midsole, like a really stiff shank on the shoe. That's that bar on the middle and underneath the shoe. So you want something that's going to hold your arch up, right? It doesn't let you tilt in. So something like the Adidas Sole Court Boost, if you look at my teardown of it, I mean, the shank is super thick. It gives people blisters. That's how stiff it is. Usually when you break in the Sole Court Boost, you're getting blisters in your arch because it's so stiff. Versus someone who's a chronic ankle sprainer, which is on the other side of your foot, well, something like the New Balance Lav V2 which actually kind of overpronates your foot a little bit, but it stops you from twisting the other way. So it, it's super stable on the outside because it has a fat lateral flange on your forefoot. It's kicked in. So you're almost sitting, you know, tilted inward. So it, it's almost, I mean, it's not impossible, but it, it's really hard to sprain your ankle in those versus some other shoes like the GP Turbo, where it's got a layer of zoom in it, an airbag on top of it. So if you're somebody with ball of foot pain, I mean, you're, you're literally walking on a pillow. So it's really hard to hurt yourself. Excuse me. So it really depends on what you need out of the shoe in terms of what it, what it's going to give you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very interesting. Um, also, um, as far as like, you know, people have sometimes like one foot that's bigger than the other, like what's the <laughs> solution for that? That's hard. Um, so I have that. My left foot's almost half a size wider than my right. Typically, I say you size to the bigger foot because I'd, I'd much rather wear two pairs of socks or put an orthotic because you, you can actually, you can get the shoes to match up with an orthotic if the person making it knows what they're doing. You can kind of even it out. You can put a heel lift in a shoe. You can put like an, in, I mean, there, there's all sorts of things you can do. T typically two socks works. That, that usually does it or different lacing. It's hard when it's a shoe that's crunching your foot, that's cramping your midfoot. It's making your toes go numb. You, you can't play. I would much rather play in a shoe that's a little bit big for me versus a shoe that's that's small on me. It's just the, the, the discomfort really gets you. So I always say size to the bigger foot. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And one thing that I learned from you that was just really fantastic is like different shoe tying techniques. Um, like for instance, you know, the, the heel slippered. So can you talk about, uh, about that and, you know, perhaps like describe one or two of those techniques for us? So there's only a few out there that I think are really beneficial. Yeah. If you, if you type in on Google shoelacing techniques, you'll get some of these graphics that are so stupid on how to tie. I mean, I, I've, I've seen some wackadoodle things out there. Just people trying to be different. It, number one, the easiest way to modify your laces is to skip eyelets, right? Around, like say you have like a arthritis or just a, a hot spot somewhere. You just learn to skip both eyelets and tie them on the same side and go up. That's the easiest way. Number two is what I call like the cat's cradle or the runner's knot, which is where you use that back eyelet and actually lock the lace. If you want to see this, it's in the A6 gel resolution, eight clay video on my YouTube channel, just it's timestamp. But it's where you use the back eyelet of the laces to lock them down to stop your heel from slipping. Um, and that's what runners do. Because when your heel slips, when you run, that's about the easiest way to get heel pain, plantar fasciitis. So that's why they made that knot so that runners can be more efficient. It also slows your time down. So that's why they call it a runner's knot because it was originated in running. But it's the same thing when you're jumping into your serve. If your if your heel goes up, then your shoe comes up and hits your heel. Then you hit back down on the ground. You're getting double the the trauma to your heel every time you step or serve. After a while, you're going to get heel pain or Achilles tendonitis or jumper or, or jumper's knee. So that's that's the big one is is learning how to lock a shoe down, especially on shoes with lower heel counters like the Gel Resolution Eight, like the New Balance Nine Nine Six and Six Nine Six. If you're not using a runner's knot on those shoes, you're probably getting heel slippage. Hmm, very interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, which I watched both of those reviews, actually the Gel Resolution 8, the, the regular version and the clay cord. So wh what's the importance of having a clay cord shoe? And like, when would you recommend that we get one versus like just using like the regular version? Uh, it all depends. Um, so clay cord shoes, typically the rubber is a tad softer. The tread is all herringbone and it's a thin herringbone. It's like they're more like a knife's edge. So it digs into the clay. There are some shoes where the all court or the hard court pattern is just as good as the clay. Yonex Eclipsian 3, Adidas Soul Court Boost, Court Jam Bounce, Soul Match Bounce. I mean, yeah, their clay versions are a little bit more gripping, but I mean, I, I, I grew up playing on clay and I have no, I, I honestly can't tell the difference. Now, if you try to put the gel resolution eight all court version on a clay court, you're going to slide everywhere. Anything also with a flat herringbone, like the, the Uber Sonic four is pretty good just because of the way it's cut, but shoes with really flat spots on clay, you're, you're going to, you're going to be sliding all over the place because they just don't have enough grip on them. Now, if you're playing on perfect clay, maybe you'll be fine. And if you're not a super aggressive mover, you're probably fine. But for higher level, you need that razor sharp herringbone so that you don't lose push off speed when you're pushing off the inside of your foot. Because you're going you're gonna to slip and then you're going to go. By that time, the ball might be by you or the person's hitting behind you. Typically, if you don't slide on hard courts, you can use a clay sole on hard or clay. The, the clay sole is just going to wear down faster. Um, so a lot of people will just buy a clay court shoe because they play on half and half. Um, if it's me, 
I'm buying a shoe. If I'm playing half on clay, half on hard, I'm looking for a, a hardcore shoe that has a great clay tread. That way I can just use them on both and get the benefit of the added durability of the hardcore rubber. Yeah, that's pretty eye-opening. And I'll ask a selfish <laughs> question. So I had the uh, Eclipsion 2, which are pretty good, although they did feel a little bit narrow. Um, oh, but narrow. Yeah, they are really narrow. And and I'm wondering, like a head-to-head, um, the Eclipsion versus the uh, Gel Resolution 8s, like what what's you know what type of player should get one versus the other? Besides the like the Clay threes? Court thing. Uh, Sorry, yeah, the threes. Yeah. So the new, the new ones. So yeah. the Gel Resolution 8, is great if you're somebody that moves side to side a lot that has a flatter foot or a more medium foot. The Eclipsian 3 is like an armored tank. It's got an external heel counter. It's the tread on it is just, I mean, you could like slice someone's hand open with it. It's so aggressive. It's just built a little bit more... They found a way to make it a little more low to the ground without bottoming the shoe out. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of like the ultimate mover shoe. I mean, you can pretty much do anything with it. Um, me personally, I, I'd probably want the Eclipsian 3. I, I mean, I'd want the Eclipsian 3 over most shoes. The gel, res, the gel Resolution 8 is a really good side-to-side shoe. If, if you're selling it, that side-to-side speed is your thing. It's great. And if you don't have problems with heel slippage, it's great. If you look on the pro tour, the gel resolution eight is probably one of the more popular shoes on tour. And so, I mean, that says something personally, I have a high arch C-shaped foot. I really can't wear the gel resolution eight. They cut into my foot. I just can't wear them. And if you look at the comment section and on my channel, a lot of other people have, have the same problem with it. It's just that a lot of people that have the right foot type for them, they really benefit from it because of the trustic system because of the Dyna bar on them. I mean, you really get a lot of spring back. I mean, they, they are phenomenal. And if you're, if you slide on hard courts, they're phenomenal. So, and, and plus a six flight foam that the foam in the midsole of them is just, I mean, it's, it's like the most comfortable foam out there. It's so plush. The Yon X are a little bit harder. I mean, they're, they're not bad. They're just a little bit less forgiving underfoot. To me, the Yon X is more like I said, it, it's more of like a shoe you go to battle with, you know, it's just, you know, it would, it would last the apocalypse. So. Gotcha. But the, um, general resolutions are more durable in, in terms of like the outsole, right? Like I guess they have the dur- uh, guarantee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, ASICS probably has the most, well, nah, I mean, the, the, the Nike XDR is, is probably the most durable, but the ASICS isn't far behind it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, if I may, and I know you've, you've given us like a lot of, um, like some best shoe categories, but maybe like a rapid fire if possible. Like, so what, what are your best, like one or two shoes for, um, plantar fasciitis? Adidas Soul Court Boost, Nike GP Turbo. Okay. Uh, how about ankle problems? Which kind of ankle, like ankle spraining? Oh. Yeah. Let's go with sprains. Blue shoe, Deodore Blue Shield 5s, New Balance Lab V2, Adidas Soul Court Boost. Got it. Got it. And you all should really check out the reviews, you know, with, for these shoes, by the way, on Zach's channel. Um, how about uh, neutral feet? Um, anything. So like best shoe, then Deodore Blue Shield 5. That's my favorite shoe. Huh, cool. Um, and then I guess your case, High Arch? Uh, Adidas Soul Court Boost. Okay. Uh, or medium New arch? Balance Lab V2. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about medium, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> medium arch? 
my anything basically. I mean, that's at Diodor Blue Shield Five. Gotcha. Uh, how about stability shoe? Uh, A6 Cord FF2, New Balance Lab V2, Diodor Blue Shield Five. Gotcha. Beat Soul Cord Boost. Gotcha. Um, any other categories that you think I I may have missed that uh, you'd want to like give us a rapid fire answer for? Uh, best shoes for hardcore sliders, A6 Cord FF2, Nike Vapor Pro. Um, the fastest shoes out there, Lotto Mirage 100 by a country mile. And then the Nike GP Turbo, even if, even if it is super heavy, it's still one of the fastest shoes out there. Best shoe you've never heard of, Lecoq Sportif LCST 01. Hmm. Um, best shoe of all time, Reebok Fig Jam worn by Andy Roddick, the greatest player of all time. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He's a uh, one of a kind Andy Roddick. Uh, still got to get him on the podcast somehow, but, uh, let's see. Oh, so another, you know, kind of selfish question. Um, and I know you're, you're foot doctor. So, uh, uh, have you heard of, um, Condro Malaysia, the knee issue? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what shoe would you recommend for somebody who has that? I, I have that on my left knee. So it depends on your foot type, but typically, I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in terms of, well, it does matter, but any type of shock inducing injury, like chondromalacia usually is, is the error like knee arthritis, let's say any type of knee arthritis, um, any cartilage problem, they all, they all do bad with shock. So anything that decreases the shock on your joint, same with hip, same with back, same with shoulder, neck pain, you just need a shoe with shock absorption. Boost foam has the best shock absorption on the market. Followed very closely by Zoom Air. So anything with those? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Do you think like um, the Eclipsion or the Resolution 8 would be any good for that or probably not? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, the Eclipse TN3 has that giant power cushion in it. But I mean, yeah. I mean, the, 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 if you have a flat foot, sure. The gel Resolution 8 is fine. If you have a high arch foot, no, it's terrible. You know, so it, it depends on your foot type. Gotcha. Appreciate it, Zach. I'm curious too. I mean, how much time do you spend to, to create, you know, one, one video? I mean, it, there's a big range for YouTubers, but like how much time, you know, do you spend to prepare one review? Uh, if you ask my wife, it's the entirety of our marriage. <laughs> uh, so probably takes me at least, I mean, at least three hours to play test them, right? So I wear them, I play test them, and I wear them to work. I wear all my shoes to work. So just to see how they feel walking around. Um, that's about at least, so it's at least three hours there. Then I have to shoot the video. And I will, I mean, I'll sit there and say the same line a hundred times because I cough or I sneeze. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hey, everybody, it's Zach. No, I said, hey, what's actually over and over. So to shoot, it probably takes an hour, hour and a half. Uh, so that's four and a half hours now. And then to edit it typically is about two hours minimum, you know, and if it's a longer video, it's longer. Uh, so they can take a while. Um, my like top five videos, they, that all in all probably takes me two and a half hours to make total just cause it's a lot easier. Cause I already have the footage. Um, but a shoe review takes me a while. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Appreciate all your work on that. Um, you know, free and uh, very helpful content. Uh, just kind of a random question. Like, I sometimes I see people like they'll hold a shoe and then they'll bend it. And I was wondering, like, what what test is that for? Uh, what does that help you know about the shoe? So, if a shoe just bends right in your hand, there's no stability there. So mm. it's not gonna. So that 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 shoe has no control over anything. Your foot is providing a hundred percent of the control there. Uh, so if you have any twisting injuries, if you're worried about twisting injuries, if you're worried about heel pain, that shoe's not going to do anything. So they're just testing the rigidity of the, of the midsole of the shank. Um, just because a shoe is really floppy doesn't mean it's bad. Some people like that. And those, those shoes do have uses. Uh, but if you're 35 overweight and play tennis twice a week. Well, I got idea. <laughs> and um I- Zach, kind of going back to like the, you know, the beginning of the interview where we talked about you deconstructing the shoes. Like, I was wondering if you could talk about some of the different like layers or pieces of material. Like, I remember you showing like the heel pad and that was really interesting. So like, what are some of the, those, um, you know, pieces of the shoe and what's their purpose? Um, so there's typically, you got the uppers, the strobal board, which is what sews the whole shoe together. And then midsole and the outsole. Typically, there's a shank in the midsole that's a plastic or carbon fiber piece that gives the shoe all its rigidity. That's the arch support of the shoe. Midsole is made from one of two things, usually. It's either EVA, which is a standard open cell, just foam, right? Or it's made from plastic, um, like Boost. Boost foam is made of plastic. There is a new breed of midsoles out there that Under Armour has. It's called Flow. And it's made from basically diaper elastic, which is really interesting. So that's kind of like the only new thing out there. Most shoes are just made of standard EVA foam. It's the same thing you see cosplayers wear. Same thing you make set props out of. It's moldable foam. So some companies will put a more they'll, they'll put a more dense foam in certain areas of the shoe and a less dense in certain areas, even more cushion uh, or more bounce or more density, whatever. Adidas is really good about that. They'll put boost in areas where you need it. And then they'll just put standard EVA in the rest of it. So there's, it's, it's usually not what the material is. It's how they engineer it. It's how dense it is, how light it is, how heavy it is. The, the most important component to the midsole typically is the shank, is that, is that beam in the middle of it. Um, that usually determines how the shoe is going to function. Gotcha. Very, very cool, Zach. And kind of a random follow-up, you know, like 20 minutes late, but um, say if we've got like one shoe that's longer than the other because of our, our longer foot. So, and you said to double sock. So is it, maybe it's an obvious answer, but we're, we should double sock on like the smaller foot and then like the bigger foot, just like single sock. I that, usually just say, no, I usually say on both, both feet because that, that you'll get used to it on the one side. Gotcha. You know, you, but your other, your other, it won't be a big deal on the one side, but it will make a huge difference on the left. Typically you never want to do anything on one side versus the other. That's going to throw you off in terms of height. Even if it is just a micrometer of the sock, you'll, if you're playing, if you're playing high level sports, you'll notice it after a while. You don't think you will, but you will. Gotcha, Zach. And, and, uh, one other substantive question is, uh, or maybe the last one is, um, when do we know when we need orthotics? Well. There's two schools of thought. One is everybody needs them. The other one is you need them when you have pain. Orthotics are, orthotics are not the end-all be-all. I never wear orthotics in my shoes. Never. I hate them. Can't stand them. Hmm. And I'm a foot doctor. It's my job to make orthotics. 
I, I, I can, I cannot stand having some, but I have a very high arch. So my foot provides all the arch support I need. Is that going to come back to haunt me in my sixties? Maybe, but it's, it depends. Orthotics. It, I, I shown it on my channel. They will give you a little, it, or the correct orthotic, like a, a, a well-functioning one and one that's meant for performance will give you a little bit more jump height. It will give you a little bit more speed on sprints. It will reduce your heart rate. So there is benefit to them for everybody, technically. But there's a lot of people out there will say, if everything is well enough alone, leave everything well enough alone. There is a reason though, that you see at most professional athletes have orthotics in their shoes. Because when you're doing that much, you're putting that much straight on your body, you need the extra support. So there is no right answer to that. It's, it's what your school of thought and what your doctor, the doctor you're seeing, what's their school of thought. That's that, that's, you know, what, what influences you, you know, super interesting. And like, is there any utility to just buying like those, like generic ones in the store or should we just get our custom? No, I mean, there are good over the counter orthotics. Um, okay. power step is my favorite. I'm not sponsoring, but I, I love power step. My wife always prescribes super feet. Those are probably the two best over the counters. There is a new brand out there called move. I believe that's what they're called. Uh, the guys over at wear testers, it's another YouTube channel. They do basketball shoe reviews. They develop those. Those look pretty good. Those kind of look like a super feet orthotic. Um, so I, I still have to test them, but, but those are decent. So but in terms of this, like the ones you see at Rite Aid or Walgreens, I mean, they're good if you need to replace the insole of your shoe. But other than that, I don't see much benefit in them. Gotcha. So, but is it like if you can afford it, custom are the best, but if you want to like be on a budget, then okay, then buy one yeah, of those so brands. It's, yeah, so it's it's different between a, a Chevy and a Cadillac, right? The Like the power steps in a super feet is, is, a, is a Chevy. They'll get you where you need to go. The customs like a Cadillac. You're going to get a lot of bells and whistles, probably a little more comfortable along the way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, Zach. Well, I know we're um, you know, running on time here, overtime. So uh, where can the audience go to follow you and check out your content? Uh, I'm on YouTube at Foot Dr. Zach, and I'm on TikTok at Foot Dr. Zach. Uh, I barely ever go on Instagram anymore, so it's not a great place to find me. That's at Rubber and Foam with Rubber Dash Foam, Rubber and Foam. Um, but I'm, I don't do much on there anymore. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Don't try to send me DMS with medical questions. I won't answer them. I cannot give medical advice outside of the state of Pennsylvania. So don't try. I won't open it. Don't get angry with me when I don't open it. <laughs> oh, so if you live in Pennsylvania, it's totally fine, right? <laughs> live in Pennsylvania, you can come to my office. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oh, where's your office by the way? So people know, I mean, if you, want. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I, I have a, it's Academy of Podiatry in Pittsburgh. So got it. We have got five. it. <laughs> awesome, Zach. Awesome. Well, you know, I, again, like I love your channel. You do an amazing job. I, you know, I, I love watching your content. It's so unique and definitely we're going to have all the, the you know, the uh, links to your YouTube channel and, and socials and so forth in the show notes page. Any last, uh, any last closing thoughts you uh, would like to uh, uh, tell the audience? I'll let you have the floor. Uh, no, not really. Just remember don't try to fit your foot to the shoe, fit the shoe to your foot, you know, just because you like the way one shoe looks or because your favorite pro is wearing that shoe doesn't mean it's great for you. 
Andy Roddick is the greatest player of all time. And he was my favorite, but I could never play with the pure drive because I just couldn't play with it. I wanted to play with it, but I couldn't. I play with a head radical and that's what suits my game best. So same thing with shoes, just because Naomi Osaka is wearing the GP turbo doesn't mean it's the best shoe for you. So just, just remember that just fit the foot, fit the shoe to your foot, not the other way around. Love it. Uh, thanks so much, Zach, for coming on to the podcast. Really was fun. And hopefully we'll chat again soon and all the best to you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Zach. And Zach, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and really enjoyed speaking with you about shoes. And you've definitely changed my outlook and uh, my thought processes on what shoe I should get. And I might actually get a different one than what I originally was going to get. So that was great. And uh, we will have all the show notes, or I'm sorry, we will have all the links that we talked about today on the show notes page per usual including Zach's excellent YouTube channel and his social profiles and some specific videos for you as well uh, on different shoes that were mentioned. And if you enjoyed this episode and if, you, and if you enjoy the podcast, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the show and you can do that on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. The direct link for Apple Podcasts would be tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts. Uh, also, uh, I did record this episode on the road, so the microphone may sound a little different than usual, but I uh, appreciate you uh, listening either way, and hopefully it sounded a-okay to you. And I do want to leave you with a quote as I often love to do at the end of the show, and this one is by Roy T. Bennett, and Roy said, turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into possibilities. Love this quote, amazing one. Definitely keep this in your mind as you battle through your tennis matches and practices as well as your life in general. All right, well, thanks so much for listening to this episode and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. This is Maribon Aranchad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.